You're listening to Hope for Today Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the Word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. invite you to turn to John chapter 21 and uh, we've been going through our series truths to live by looking to the word and how we can sink our teeth into it and apply it to our, our daily life in John chapter 21 we're picking up right after the resurrection um, has occurred and has happened and it's a segue as we'll begin to look at all the, uh, the epistles, the letters to the early church, specifically looking at the acts of the apostles and the early church and how they functioned post-resurrection and that we can glean from it, learn from it, and apply to our own life uh, here today. And so the title of today's message is this, focus on what the Lord has revealed to you, live in your assignment. Focus on what the Lord has revealed to you, Live in your assignment. And so in John 21, starting in verse 15, it says this, When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, Do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. And he asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved he had asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Truly I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. And he said this to indicate what kind of death Peter would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. So Peter turned around and saw the disciple Jesus loved following them, the one who had leaned back against Christ at the supper and asked, Lord, Who's the one that's going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? If I wanted him to remain until I come again, Jesus answered, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So this rumor spread to the brothers and sisters that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not tell him he would not die. But if I want him to remain until I come again, what is that to you? This is a part of of scripture that, um, you know, it took me some time to really wrap my head around, to understand, to align my heart with what is happening here um, with Peter. For all intents and purposes, a little bit of background. At this time, when John wrote this letter, this gospel account, this vantage point of of Christ's ministry on earth and even post-resurrection, it was written around 70 AD. 
So this is following the destruction of Jerusalem. It's prior to John's exile on the island of Patmos. So it's, a, it's around that time frame, 85, perhaps 90. Maybe it was written for Ephesus, but the main point here is by this time this has been penned, a false report has been circling. And we all know what happens when rumors get started. And there's this rumor, this false report that this beloved disciple John would not die. Essentially, he would be immortal. He is somehow more special than everyone else this side of the resurrection. And so appropriately, you know, John is reversing or correcting this false report by making sure they understand what Jesus said concerning this conversation. Just think for a moment, if John had not addressed this issue, if Peter had died or if John had died, sorry, and the Lord had not yet arrived, it would completely undermine the hope of the church. It would destroy it. It would all crumble. And so it was important for him to emphasize that Jesus wasn't saying, John, you're going to be immortal here and now just as I am. The focus here was for him to say, if I wanted to do this, what concern is that to you? And so verse 20 to 23, we see how Jesus is speaking prophetically. He's speaking this word of knowledge concerning details of a future event about Peter and his service to the Lord, the the type of death that he would uh, have, this destiny. Now, destiny is defined as this, an event that will happen, that will necessarily happen in the future. Could you imagine Jesus speaking your destiny to you? Now, maybe he's not saying, you know, on such a day, this is going to happen, and and this is when your life is going to come to an end. But in many respects, us as believers, the Bible says that we're united in him, that we are led by his spirit, and then he speaks to us. And he prompts our heart to, to hear his voice, and he speaks to us, and everything to come into conformity with his will. And yet there's times, like Peter, we can look to our left, and we can look to our right and say... Well, what about them, Lord? What do you say about them? And we get sidestepped. We get distracted. It's a natural reaction. That's what I can appreciate about this interaction that's happening. Peter is just like us. And John is like us because we should all correct a misunderstanding. We should all correct a misreport, a rumor. And so Jesus explained to Peter that he should not be focused on the plan of God for John's life, but rather be focused on God's plan for him, his plan for him. And so Peter would actually touch on this in 2 Peter chapter 1. And so long after this encounter with Jesus, the early church is growing, it's thriving, ministry is happening, different activities Giftings are being unleashed in the church. People are being transformed in the hundreds of thousands. And yet they face opposition in the midst when people feel that maybe their end has come. Emperor Nero of Rome is is killing Christians by the hundreds. He's hanging them up like jack-o'-lanterns in the streets just for being a Christian. They're being ripped and torn apart by lions in the Colosseum. All these things are happening when, 
when Peter writes 2 Peter 1.12 and he says, therefore, it's as if he's understood this. We're all going to die one day. What do we do here and now? Who do we trust? Who do we look to in the circumstance? And so in 2 Peter 1.12, he says, therefore, I always remind you, even though you know them and are established in the truth you now have, I think it is right as long as I am in this bodily tent to wake you up with a reminder since I know that I will sooner lay aside my tent as our Lord Jesus Christ has indeed made clear to me. And I will also make every effort so that you are able to recall these things at the time of my departure." at the time of my departure. And before this, he goes on to say that in Christ, every spiritual blessing has been given to us, that you can participate in the divine nature here and now, escaping the corruption that is in the world. And he talks about this divine favor that comes from the Lord. And when we see, when we understand this reference of Peter and 2 Peter and the type of life that he knew was at his doorstep, this this death that he would uh, encounter, Peter is showing us that he's come to grips with the decision of what the Lord had revealed to him. He was keeping the faith. He He was trusting him. He was trusting him. You know, we all go through times and seasons when we question the Lord, don't we? I know many times where I've been with colleagues, even perhaps those who um, delicately, I'd say, wear a mask, not really living and, and confirming or affirming the word of God, and yet their life seems to be producing. And you wonder, Lord, what's going on? And yet, I can directly relate to this personally. It's not your place to, to be concerned with what the Lord is, is doing about so-and-so. But to be focused on what the Lord has called you to. And so here, Jesus is this uh, shepherd and overseer. He's modeling for us that good overseers and shepherds will speak into situations and they will bring a gentle correction and even a rebuke when necessary. And so here, he rebukes Peter. He says, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Follow me. And so here, this side of of the resurrection, the Lord has placed people of different roles and assignments in the church. And as the weeks unfold, we're going to look at each of these areas. But for sake of today, the Lord continues to speak to the church through those who are uh, teachers, preachers, apostles, prophets. And the apostle Paul spoke about such a role. He wrote this in Acts 20 verse 28. He says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood I know after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. He's not saying that literal wolves are going to be on the premises and they're going to tear you limb from limb, but they will be like savage wolves. They will want everything. They want to completely consume everything that you stand for. But don't falter. Trust in those who are overseeing you. 
And this is a valuable role. I found this interesting in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. This was prophesied what the Lord was going to do and provide in his church. He says this, I will give you shepherds who are loyal to me, and they will shepherd you with knowledge and skill. I will give you shepherds who are loyal to me, and they will shepherd you with knowledge and skill. How many of you appreciate you can pick up the phone or maybe talk face-to-face with someone like that? I know I have mentors and and pastors in my own life that speak in with great knowledge and skill of precision that I hear exactly what I need to hear even if I don't want to hear it. And then flash forward to the book of Hebrews which we believe the Apostle Paul also penned. He says this in Hebrews 13, 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them since they keep watch over your souls as those who give an account so that they can do this with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you and to regard them highly in love because of their work and be peace amongst yourselves. What's great about this passage is this can speak to all of us, not just shepherds and overseers, pastors and such, but this can speak to you today and how you interact with others, how you interact with people in this place, how you interact with people when you're out, you know, on this lovely day walking the trails and such, being at peace with one another. And then Paul says in Corinthians 16, 15, brothers and sisters... I urge you also to submit to such people and everyone who works and labors with them. And so I share these verses to show that there is this commonality of service and yet different assignments and roles that we are all called to. And we must walk in them. Whatever role and assignment that the Lord has put on your heart, whatever service and ministry he's called you to, walk in it. Don't worry about the person to your left or your right who has a different assignment in you. Imagine if we all thought we had the exact same assignment and role. Now granted, we're all called to the Great Commission to go into the world and make disciples. But how we get there, we all have a different function. We all have a different function. It's very similar to a job site. Could you just imagine, Isaiah, if you're out on the the job? It doesn't have to be a construction site. It could be any business. It could be a Fortune 500 company. It could be Tim Hortons down the road. If everyone was enacting the same role, nothing would get done. If everyone wanted to be the manager, well, who's going to do the grunt work? Who's going to bring in the boxes? Who's going to check all the other boxes? There's logistics, there's administration, there's payroll. There's all these different pieces that have to come together in harmony. Everyone has a role, everyone has a place. And we're told in Romans 12, 6, my favorite parts of Scripture, we're told this. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching in teaching. If exhorting and exhortation. If giving, give with generosity. If you're leading, lead with diligence. And in showing mercy, do so with cheerfulness. Do so with cheerfulness. And he goes on to say in verse 9, Let love be without hypocrisy. 
detest evil, cling to what is good, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters, take the lead in honoring one another. I mean, this is, if this was a pill to swallow, this is a tough one to swallow. And yet, if you would put yourself in that place to take the good medicine, you would grow and you would thrive and you would flourish. It's no different from what Peter and John were encountering in this interaction with Jesus. Eventually, Peter understood this. He was prepared to shed that tent and meet the Lord when he met his end. Just imagine what it's like when we're overly concerned with the person to our left and the person to our right, even butting heads. And, the, and, the, and Paul talks about these different giftings and assignments and roles. And one of the areas in which um, I appreciate, uh, like many others, is a gift of administration. You need those people. You need people who can, to fill in the gaps and make sure things are, you know, accounted for and, you, you know, you're managing the workforce, so to speak. And you can see a vice for this kind of person if you're not reciprocating the request for the information they need. Or the very things, and, and this is a learning lesson for me. We have a bookkeeper for our church uh, of an accounting firm, and, you know, they need they need receipts, they need information in a timely fashion to make sure the books and everything are done in a timely fashion. And when you're not, you know, keeping on the time schedule, so to speak, it puts them in potentially a bad place. You're hindering their role, you're hindering their assignments, but if you honor the other in the assignment they have, if you're honoring one another, everyone's gonna get things done on time and effectively, whatever the role, whatever the function, whatever the gifting and ministry, don't be distracted, and I've already said this, don't be distracted by measuring yourself to another. This is something for me as a pastor, you turn on the TV, there's so much out there, you can see these profound speakers, people with PhDs, with all these letters beside their name, and you could easily start measuring yourself to those people. The moment you do that, this is, I believe, a, a takeaway we can render from this interaction with Jesus and Peter, that when you do that, it leads you down a path you don't want to go. You become miserable, and you're also not productive in your assignment. And what this interaction that I see with Peter and John is Jesus is showing them, without actually putting it in written form, the Lord knows what you need. Don't be concerned with what's going on in their life. Just be concerned with your assignment. The Lord knows what you need. Remain hungry, desiring the call that he's put in your life, and the growth will be tangible. The growth will be tangible. And so Peter, in this interaction, he deflects. Just like in psychology, you ever had a, spoken with a counselor, when they ask you a question, they would say, let's not deflect. Tell me, how, how are you feeling? What's going on right now? What's going on at home? Don't deflect on how so-and-so is speaking to you or, or what's occurring. What, what's happening in your life? Both Peter and John were called to an important and equal level 
of service. A lot of times we look and say, wow, Peter, I'm in. Jesus said to him, Peter, on this rock, I shall build my church. And we elevate even a whole entire church institution, an organization based in many ways, their whole hierarchy off Peter. But they were equal in the scope of role because they were called and led by the Lord. Collectively called yet different avenues. So we see here that Peter, he would go on and and be an example to the early church of patient endurance. He would eventually be hung upside down. Whereas John would be exiled to write letters on the island of Patmos. He would write letters that we would, as you read through scripture, you would cherish. Not just the gospel account, but first, second, and third John And then probably the most important, the account of the triumphant return of Jesus that we know as Revelation. The revelation of God and his plan and purpose for all of humanity and when he will return. And yet both their contributions would have lasting, of lasting importance and impact. Lasting importance and impact. And so Peter writes this, and coming to grips with this and understands this, he says in 2 Peter 1 verse 2, may grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness and through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And by these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them, you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that's in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness. So faith is the starting block. This is the way I like to look at it. When you come to faith in Jesus, like a runner, you're in the starting block, but that's just the beginning. Now you're running the marathon. It's a marathon. And so he says, supplement your faith with goodness and goodness, knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. And do you think Peter's writing this from a place of just an abstract view? He's speaking it from a place of deep understanding in real time, he says in verse eight, for if you profess, possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you ever feel like maybe your life, you feel like you're not producing, you're wondering, well, what, what, what is this whole life all about? Maybe there's meaninglessness, you're searching for meaning in your life. Here's a solution. says in verse 9, the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, you got to love an action of next steps. Don't get caught up that you were, you, there's sins. Like you, you had your missteps, you, you had your shortcomings, but don't stop there. You're out of the blocks. You're running the race. Verse 10, therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election Because if you do these things, you will never stumble. If you're not looking to the left and right of what so-and-so is doing, but you're focused on the call of God upon your life, you'll never stumble. 
But when you try to go outside of your lane like you're driving a car and you try to enter into their lane in the vehicle and the assignment that they have, you will stumble. Because you're operating out of, the, of a gifting and anointing that is not yours. And in verse 11 he says, For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly provided for you. And this is where he says, where we already looked at earlier, therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you know them and are established in the truth you now have. Here's the reason why Sunday after Sunday, you have someone declare and preach the word of God. Sure, you've heard these stories thousands of times, but it's for our benefit to be reminded of who we are in Christ and what we've been called to and that each one of us have an important uh, role to play. We all have a great impact that we leave in this world and on this life that we live. How are you choosing to live it? How are you choosing to live this life? Thankfully, Peter and John were not the same. They didn't have the same role. Peter vividly showed what it is to live with patient endurance, facing obstacles, all these different turns, while John was able to pen these letters. And he arguably penned probably one of the most profound understandings of what we have in Christ. He says in 1 John 1, verses 1 to 3, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was revealed to us and we have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you so that you may also have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son and Jesus Christ. The same John who wrote, the beginning was the Word and the Word was God and the Word was with God. And he dwelt among us. They were both called, different avenues of service, but both were invaluable. Both were invaluable. And so walking away point for today is simple. Focus on what the Lord has revealed to you and live in your assignment. Stay in your lane, eyes forward. Focus on what the Lord has revealed to you. Focus on what he has laid upon your heart and what he's called you to, because what he's called you to, we can all appreciate he will bring you through. He will bring you through. Point two, be who the Lord has called you to be don't try to be someone else. And number three, don't seek to fake it until you make it. I'm surprised. This is a statement that is very popular in the church. I've heard this many times when I'd be learning something. Someone would say, oh, Angie, you just fake it till you make it. I'm like, there's something really wrong with that. Fake it until you make it. We've been told we've been given the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. We never saw Jesus walking around the earth faking it till he made it. You ever really think about that? Fake it until you make it. I really believe as I look through the word of God, the, 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 the story, the self-declosure of who God is and how he interacts with us, he doesn't employ fakers. 
He's intentional. The Bible says he works all things together for good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so Romans 8, 27, you can take this to the bank. It says, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. If you want to know the will of God for your life, the purpose he has for you, seek him with your whole heart. Lord Jesus, what's the plan you have for my life? And it says right here, the spirit of the Lord intercedes with you according to God's will. It says in verse 28, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who were called according to his purpose. There's all, all of us have different purposes. The way we fulfill that assignment. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among, among many brothers and sisters. And here's the piece that will keep you from stumbling. We're to be conformed to the image of Jesus. No one else. Not the image of Peter. Not the image of Mary. Not the image of John. Not the image of Andrew or any of the followers of Jesus. Not in my image. Not in your image but the image of Jesus. And many times that makes people uncomfortable. You go around, you can walk even down these streets, you can see how there's conformity and compromise happening to want to craft things into our own image because of what we want to worship, what we want to deem as purposeful, right, and the right will of God. Stay in your lane. Focus on what the Lord has revealed to you. You know, there was a point in time when I went to Bible school, Master's Commission, and um, what an incredible group of people. People from all over Canada, the United States. I was in Waterloo, Ontario. Actually, you were there one time, man, and came and we did a, a drama on Good Friday. And I have to tell you, when I first arrived, being in the midst of all these other young folk that had a passion, a zeal for the Lord, and, and desiring of ministry, and it's all shape and color, there were times where I was like, Lord, if I could just be like them, Actually, Lord, if I could be like my mentor, if I, if I could preach like him, and you could see how very easily I would size myself up. But the moment when you become comfortable in who God has created you to be, and you say, Lord, I desire the gifting of procurement of your spirit, all that you have for me for my assignment, you know what he does? It's like a waterfall, and it just washes over you, and it fills you up to overflow so that you can minister to others. Whatever that distribution looks like, whatever that procurement is, that assignment that he's called you outside of and, and fulfilling the Great Commission, all of them are essential. This is what I want you to walk away with today. Whatever gifting, whatever activity, whatever ministry. Remember, this is the foundation in which we're going to look at all these different gifts down the road. Whatever they may be, they're all invaluable. If you have the gift of healing, that's invaluable. If you have the gift of prophecy or discerning of spirits or speaking in tongues, they're all invaluable. We need them all. If you serve, if you have the gift of ministration, we need you. Imagine as we step in and continue to stay on our lane and, and what God has called us to, imagine what we could, could accomplish. I mentioned the job site earlier. If everyone on the site, when they're trying to put up a house, remember the kingdom of God is, is 
building and growing all around us. If everyone wanted to be a plumber in the house of God, the house would never get finished. You need electricians, you need the different tradespeople. The same thing in the house of God. That's why here at Hope for Today, we believe in the team collaborative mindset. People have different giftings and activities. We all need each other. And if you're here and you haven't plugged in yet in a different way, I encourage you to do so. And ask the Lord, Lord, how would you have me serve to fulfill your call, the Great Commission? What does that look like, Lord? And we're, we've already looked at Romans 8. When you ask those questions, he's going to tell you. He's going to fill you. And what Peter learned in the very end, because he, he writes for us in his letters, he showed us that to follow Jesus means to follow him in all circumstances, no matter the outcome, not questioning, well, Lord, what about them? but rather overflowing with trust and thankfulness that he's with you, he's for you, and he's not against you. Would you heed his words say when he says, follow me, follow me? Let's pray, Heavenly Father. Thank you for this time in your word. Lord, I thank you that even in my own preparation and I thank you how the word is truly living and active. It speaks to me every time that I open it. Lord, I thank you. It's like a great reality check. It's a tune-up. And Lord, not only speaking to my own heart, but my brothers and, and sisters and you that are here today and those also watching. Lord, I thank you that you continue to speak to us. Thank you, Lord, for the promise of your word that you have given us everything that we need. The provision that you've poured out and ascribed to us is amazing. Thank you, Lord, for the different giftings and activities and callings in this place. Lord, we invite you to have authorship in this assembly. Lord, as we are open and honest with one another, Lord, may we champion each other. May we encourage each other and the various areas, ministries and activities and giftings that you've called us to and procured for us. Thank you for the joy that we have in you that we are yours. And we have the free will to serve you, to worship you with everything that we have. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And if you're able with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm gonna invite everyone here in the assembly, if, if you feel led, just to raise your hands and invite the Lord to speak to you today. Invite him to speak so clearly to the next steps going forward to fulfill his call.
Well, feel free to rise with me here as we sing this one last song, Living Hope. What a great, great song to end with today. The hallelujah, praise the one who has set me free. That's has lost its grip on me. He's broke every chain. There's salvation in the name of Jesus. So let's declare that together as we leave here today.